Hello and welcome back to episode five of the Will and Rob Show. Hope you guys have had a wonderful week. This week we have the privilege of interviewing James Madden. James is the RUF, Reformed University Fellowship Minister on the campus of SMU. He is a Dallas native, attended Redeemer Seminary, uh, which is a seminary I also attended, attended for a couple semesters before it sadly closed. Should I, should I, should I, should I not mention that it closed? <laughs> I don't know. It kind of adds a, I don't know, an element of prestige and I say mystique. Yeah. Mystique. Yeah. That's all right. I like it. All right. I'm not uh, ashamed. I love Redeemer. I, I did too. Uh, and we are, we are grateful uh, to have him on today to talk about life on college campuses things that uh, have changed, and then ultimately to get to uh, discussing ministry and the way that the medium, the way that the uh, avenue through which we do ministry, the way that changes the content and structure of, of ministry. So James, welcome to the Will and Rob Show. Thank you for having me. It's a privilege to be here. Well, uh, we want to get started and just ask a little bit about your experience at SMU. How long have you been there? Uh, and what does a typical day look like? as an RUF minister on the campus of SMU? Yeah, so I've been at SMU for, uh, this is my sixth year. I, I went on, I guess you could say, staff with RUF in 2014. Uh, my daily life as a campus minister up until the, uh, the pandemic was uh, going to campus uh, a lot. We like to say within RUF that we're a ministry of presence an incarnational ministry. And so we are nomads in that world. And we occupy uh, the coffee shops, the eating halls, pretty much wherever students are is where we want to be. And so my uh, typical days involve having lunch, coffee, meals, uh, Bible studies with students. That is our bread and butter, so to speak. And it is a highly relational ministry. And there's a lot of time for teaching and preparing, I should say, for uh, large group meetings, sermons, Bible studies. Uh, and then I also have the privilege of working with three other individuals, Annalise Hayes, who is on our campus staff, and then two interns, Towsley Leak and Stuart Cornett. So we work as a unit in trying to reach the campus for Christ. And when did SMU finally decide to, to shut down campus? And how quickly did students, did students leave? That's a great question. I think that compared with uh, other schools around the country and even in the state, SMU, it felt late. I'm not sure if it actually was late, but the students were sort of clamoring or expecting it to be canceled or postponed. I think that was the original plan was not that everything would move online for the rest of the semester, but it was actually right before spring break, so around you know March 15th-ish, and uh, President Turner of SMU sent out a response saying that uh, the next week would be spring break, and that after that, students would remain away from campus for two weeks, and they would do online courses for those two weeks, and then return back uh, in early April and resume the rest of the semester on campus with limitations of big gatherings of people. I remember that was when 
back when, you know, don't gather in groups of 50 or more, and then it turned into 10 or 15. So SMU was hesitant and slow, maybe not necessarily in a bad way, uh, but eventually followed suit just like all the other campuses everywhere. Okay, so students were expecting to be able to return after spring break. And were y'all planning on continuing operations as normal? Did, did RUF at SMU decide to, to change at that point, or were things going to be pretty consistent? Yeah, well, that's, that's a great question. Uh, we were following along on a daily basis, and we were going to adapt accordingly. And so it very quickly became apparent for us, and, and really ministries nationally, there are other RUFs that were already having to do this, is that we needed to shift our ministry in a more virtual or online platforms. And in that sense, uh, especially around spring break, so that would have been for us March 16th through the 22nd or 23rd, uh, I was talking with and in collaboration and we talked about as a staff and I was thinking about, you know, we have to make a shift in order to continue to reach students, but in person is not going to work. And so then this magical company called Zoom all of a sudden became the most important, you know, company on earth. And so we made a, a very, I guess you could call it abrupt, but relatively seamless shift for all of our Bible studies, our leadership meeting, our large group gathering, our staff meetings, all onto Zoom uh, once the students returned after spring break. That sounds like a huge shift, especially as you were talking about ministry of presence to have to change. We want to get back to that in a little bit, but <laughs> yeah. you have a question. Um, uh, yeah, so I'm just interested to know what has the engagement been like with the college students in a more virtual space? What are you hearing from them? What are their concerns about COVID-19 and sort of their college experience? Uh, that's, that is a great question. I think engaging with students, uh, one of the most Im important things is, is it's not the same as being with them in person. And so immediately we're already dealing with something that is a, uh, it feels like a little bit of a, a counterfeit or it's, you know, Sherry Turkle talks about it. It's, it's good enough. Like it works, but it's not, it's not the real thing. And so we do, you know, use a variety of different tools, whether it's zoom or FaceTime or texting or audio phone calls where we use our ears and not our eyes, uh, you know, and it's, it's not nearly as good. I think that, and that's something that everybody is coming to terms with. Uh, I think that the, the students in general at SMU are, they're very ambitious. They're very hard workers. They care a lot about, they want to learn, but they want to learn in order that they can get really good jobs. And in that sense, it's a very pragmatic and utilitarian kind of campus you do well in school, you get the good grade, you get the good grade, you get the good internship, you get the good internship, you get the good job. And so what shifted in that, and this is in some ways, it's, a, it's an existential crisis for the, the narrative that SMU offers is now, you know, internship offers have stalled or been rescinded. And 
you know, in some cases for seniors, you know, I know of one in particular where an internship that was likely going to turn into a full-time job was rescinded. And so it's sending people back to the drawing board, but not in a, okay, now I regroup and just go start interviewing again. It's just everything is stopped. It's, it's frozen. And that can, that is, there's a little bit of a displacement, apathy, placelessness that uh, a lot of students are having to grapple with and say, well, now what? What about socially? So you have the internships, the ambitious, hardworking, driven students at SMU. Um, have you, through talking to other RUF ministers around the country, have you heard of any commonalities of responses from students and responses of ministry uh, across the board? Gosh, yeah, socially, that's a great question as well. I, I think one of the most important things to realize that socially, this is not the time for making new friends. There's nothing going on where, you know, there's a virtual chat room that SMU students are going in and out of, and they can walk up to an avatar and be like, what's your name? You know, where are you from? You know, that's just not <laughs> happening at all. If anything, it is about maintaining or really clinging to the relationships that you already have. So to the extent that there's a, if you have a good social group and a good friend group, you're all right. If you were really lonely, you know, you're really up a creek. I, I think that, so socially at SMU, it, it's not entirely dominated by the fraternity and sorority system, but it has a large presence and it's a very competitive uh, status oriented system. And in some ways by having people not allowed to gather together, by not having these big parties and things like that, I see that there's this flattening effect. It, it really, everybody's equal and the same. I mean, they are, everyone is equal, but in the eyes of each other, it's just all of those social status games don't really apply mm. right now. But if anything, the sort of tribalistic, these are my people kind of things are doubly reinforced. But, you know, socially, we try to do, you know, fun games on Kazoom or something, but it just, it doesn't compare. It's like, here, come to our online party. We're going to be playing some trivia games. This is so cool. Like, no, it's, it's just a cheap counterfeit. Why haven't I gotten good. an invite to this? What's the deal? Well, you you're know. bragging about these parties you're having, these killer college parties. That yeah, well, there, we are status oriented to an extent. So, oh my um, gosh, okay. We leave you in the <laughs> waiting room sometimes and you don't have the password <laughs> to get in. I wish there was a student ID number. Yeah, you're, yeah, I'm changing the Zoom ID for our meetings every time. I don't want you sneaking in a backdoor link or something. Uh, I know one of RUF's uh, big themes is plugging college students into the local church and getting them involved there. Um, What are ways that the local church can serve the needs of college students that either find themselves stuck in their college towns or maybe they're back home what are ways that the local church can serve these college students and these issues that you that you highlight here another really good question Uh, i think that it's if if students are already known at a local church and i use the word known as opposed to having visited or something to that extent then I think that it's possible for the local church, for pastors, for families to reach out, to call, to text. Um, If they aren't known, 
or their visitors are on the fringe, it's going to be extraordinarily difficult um, because for the same reasons mentioned earlier. But uh, I think that this would be, especially in our church context in the Presbyterian church, taking care of our covenant kids would be absolutely essential, uh, especially for local churches who send their kids around the country and maybe they're in that college town. There is a natural familial covenantal tie there that is very important. And in RUF, we're certainly sensitive toward that and want to be reaching and taking care of covenant kids. I think a good old fashioned care package, you know, assuming it can be, I don't know, sterilized or something like that. Maybe you throw the box away right when you get it and just take the candy on the inside uh, could go a long way. But there's nothing, there's nothing like a, a pastoral phone call or a reach out that um, can just let them know you're thinking about them and praying for them. I've heard that too. And I think one of the neat things about this time is, at least when it first started, there there didn't seem to be anybody who would be upset that I reached out to them. No one, no one would be annoyed. Everyone appreciates that contact. People have told, I mean, how many times have we heard someone say, I've been speaking to people, I haven't spoken with them five or 10 years. And there is such an opportunity for pastors and ministers to be reaching out and contacting people without fear of it seeming like overreach or unwanted. I think everybody wants that. I, I love that. That's really, it's a really good point, James. Yeah, well, it's, this is uh, the beauty of being in pastoral ministry. Sometimes, sometimes our passport's no good, and being in pastoral ministry is a, is a hindrance to connecting to people. And then sometimes, you know, the call from the pastor in a time like this is very welcome, and it's wanted, so it's an, an enhancement. But, you know, I, I think the same applies. Like, all the sort of social rules are out the window, uh, in, in this time. And so there is a, a real opportunity for uh, Christ-like hospitality and generosity to be, to be shown. I mean, everybody says, thank you. You mentioned hospitality and considering that, that idea and that, um, that gift along with things like not being able to see people uh, except for them being six feet away and having to host things on Zoom. Uh, and then going back again, just to the RUF desire of and, and model of having a ministry of presence. In what ways do you think the medium or the avenue of ministry changes that ministry itself? So whether that's in-person, large groups, small groups, Zoom, in-person, how does the ministry itself change and alter based on the the medium of it? Yeah, so it's a big question. It's huge, but I, I mean, I think tackle it from whatever angle. We'll we'll go from there. But I know you've been thinking about it. I think a lot of pastors are thinking about it, and we'd just love to get your thoughts. Yeah, of course. So you know, it's interesting when we talk about uh, a ministry of presence. A uh, presence is a uh, it's a space, it's spatial language is, is how we think of it, understandably. And when space is taken away uh, to where we can't be together, is it possible to have a ministry of presence that is more temporally oriented? 
so if I change the frame and, and think of it in terms of uh, repeated events or happenings, then this, the beauty of regular gatherings of consistency and repetition allows for a ministry of presence to continue even though you're not physically present. So what that's looked like for us is, is as much as possible, we can have continued our schedule that we had prior, meaning we have a leadership group of students that we meet with on Sunday nights. And we have shifted that, we do that regularly. We have a Wednesday night gathering, we've kept that. Uh, and, in, and in addition, because of this, people can feel like they're you know, floating in cyberspace, like astronauts or something like that, and they don't know what to do. Uh, we've actually added a Monday at four o'clock and Friday at four o'clock prayer liturgy. And that has actually been, it's been very well received and very well attended. And this is sort of one of the great parts about RUF is you get to kind of share ideas and resources. And uh, John Bourgeois, the campus minister at Wake Forest University, he has done this really well. And so we thought, okay, how can we give them regular touch points so that we are with them in a sense or offering opportunities on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday of every week so that they have something that they can tune into. And we use this devotional called Seeking God's Face, which is uh, it's oriented around the church calendar, but it has a combination of a psalm, a prayer, reading and we go through it together and it doesn't take more than 15 minutes and so we are done in less than 20 minutes which for our students is you know it's an it's a good thing because <laughs> if we were to say like hey come to this study thing and it was 45 minutes they'd be like okay we're not coming back but <laughs> if you say you know what like it's 10 or 15 minutes and we're going to do it regularly they show up and it's really been beautiful and it's allowed for us to what we started doing is having students lead the prayer liturgy. And so once they themselves can have participated, then, you know, one of the things we want to do within RUF is obviously we're interested in equipping and raising up disciples. And it's beautiful about RUF is we're not in the local church. And so we can say like, Hey, give it a shot. Like take a, take a shot at leading this liturgy. And if they stumble and fall on their face a little bit, that's okay. But uh, we get to, work that out with them through a regular context. So I would say that has been a very fruitful new opening that otherwise we didn't have within our ministry. And I really hope that once we get back into actually being able to meet in person, that we continue this. A couple of other things that we've done is, is I, you know, I can't stand social media. Uh, and, and yet I'm being dragged into the 21st century. So what I've had to do though, is we've had to up our presence on Instagram. And a couple of ways that we've done that is by allowing our students to do five-minute devotionals about how God has been at work through that. And we are then able to talk with them about what does it mean to give a devotional or testimony that is both personal, but is also God-honoring. It's not about them. That's rooted in scripture and is encouraging. And what's really fun is, it's like, it's amazing. They do a great job with it. And so by having these new opportunities and these regular rhythms, the ministry of presence is something that we can actually uh, continue. Uh, it's not as good, 
But again, it's opened up new possibilities for us in a way that I'm really hopeful that we'll continue uh, after all this is done. Man, that's that's very encouraging. Were you expecting for uh, the response to be so positive from the students? And I and I think also what you mentioned about RUF being a safe place for people who maybe have never been a part of a liturgy before to practice that, to allow that to grow their faith, to see what it's like, and to I guess through practicing to even understand why it's structured the way it is, that it has a certain movement to it. Um, were you expecting it to be such a positive uh, response? And, and additionally, um, have you seen any themes from their personal devotions? Like, is there something that you see kind of common that, that the Lord is doing in their lives? Ooh, that's a good question. Uh, I think that as it relates to liturgy and devotion, this is where having that personal relationship, that relational capital allows for you to take risks to introduce new forms of growth. I talk about like learning to like liturgy is like learning to like vegetables. They're really good. And once you get a taste for them and you realize like, oh, this is, this is a feast. This is food for the soul, but it's broccoli, you know? And when you first try it and you think like, well, what is this thing? Can but we extend I have that metaphor in butter, olive oil, salt, pepper? Are there things like that that can be added to? The, well, maybe that's a different conversation, but I would just like to see. No, well, let's let's go that. there. We've got nothing but time. It's a pandemic. That's right. Um, that's right. Yeah, that's right. Uh, yeah, it's broccoli. So a way that I roast it, add some olive oil and butter, is that I I think that the seeking God's face uh, resource that we use is a great entry point because of the length of the material, it's digestible, it's consistent, it's very doable. Um, we're not going in with the full, you know, book of common prayer, morning prayer routine, which will be 30 to 45 minutes. And they're saying like, what is, this is a lot. Uh, we're starting with that. I would love for them to be able to work to something like that. But I also understand that growth, you know, it happens, differently. And once they can get a taste of, of the way in which liturgy provides a structure to put you in an encounter with Jesus, and also gives you an extended vocabulary and space that actually, uh, it gives you greater freedom in your prayer life, not less. So I guess, let's just take this analogy as far as we can go. You know, the more broccoli I eat, the further I'm able to run and the the more I'm able to actually see the world because I didn't eat a bunch of candy and now I feel sick. Well, James, thank you for coming on. Is there anything about uh, RUF that you would want to share just for, for our listeners to know before we go? Yeah, um, so I'm a total RUF homer. I'm very biased and pro-RUF. Okay. But that also lets me speak about it uh, in a persuasive way. And I really love RUF and without sounding like a, a brown noser, I really believe in the leadership that we have. And we were just on a, an area call with our new national coordinator, Will Huss and, and our area coordinators. And they're really leading wisely. And, but also with this sort of acknowledgement of like, we don't know what's going to happen in the future. 
and and we need to be open and ready to adapt to the moment that we're in and and so ruf is it's wonderful because of the collegiality amongst uh, the different campus ministers and the free flow of ideas uh, resource sharing encouraging that's able to happen so in that way it's really kind of a dynamic idea generator because we're having to do this all the time anyways you know every new semester we're in startup mode having to come up with things over and over again and so ruf in a lot of ways is it's in the very uh, DNA or the, the social imaginary as, mm. Uh, mm. as our Charles favorite Taylor Catholic James would K. say. Smith would be so proud. Right, right. You know, with reformed hermeneutics, of course. Um, of course. Of course. <laughs> granted, uh, it allows for just this fun new ideas to come up and a spirit that says like, hey, if it doesn't work, that's okay. We'll try again. I was at a tech startup before I went to, well, a couple of jobs before I started working in ministry. And um, one of our phrases was fail fast and hard, which I think is a very <laughs> techie thing, but maybe a minute. And it actually worked. It allowed us to, to do some creative things. Can I say one other thing? Of course. Toward that end, what's something new that we're doing? And this is something that I've been working on uh, that I would, I'd covet your prayers, but I think it could work out well is that we are, um, putting together what I'm calling the, the SMU Daily Audio Bible, which, you know, total cliche in that it's going to be on the podcast store. You know, everybody's got a podcast. I don't know if y'all know anything about that. But, uh, but what it is, is it's a compilation of different students, staff, hopefully faculty. We've got one faculty member on it so far, uh, reading different sections of scripture. And it's going to be put out serially. Uh, we're going to do a trial run over 60 days and go through the book of Luke and Acts. And that's hopefully going to be going soon. But the response has been really good from our participants. We've got, you know, 50 to 60 people who have sent us recordings on their phone of reading different sections of scripture. And this is a way in which it's a, it's a sort of beautiful demonstration of the universality of God's word but then the particular expression of it through the mouths of different students, it's really encouraging. And it actually allows for the students, I think, to, to hear and see that their other peers are reading God's word. And it's such an encouragement in that regard. And, you know, we talk about what's the, the medium of ministry that really goes to the heart. And that is, you know, the acoustic means of doing ministry or hearing God's word has the effect of, of creating a simultaneous experience. This is what Marshall McLuhan talks about. And so every person who listens gets the same experience in the same moment. And that is actually provides a sense of togetherness that college students will get to experience together. Um, and it'll be rooted in God's word and it'll be, through the voices of humans. So it's human, um, not centered, but human, uh, uh, I don't know what the word is, like anthropomorphically embodied or something, you know, realized, you know, the word that's on everybody's tongue, right? Anthropomorphism. Uh, and it's just, it's gonna be fun. So that's one 
new project coming out of this that we're going to be trying. Man, that's great. I hope that it's a very beneficial and fruitful venture. Well, thanks for being on. Thanks for joining us. Uh, as you are, you know, social distancing and self-quarantining with your dog, Rookie, and your wife, Happy. By the way, tell Happy hi for us. Uh, I would love to. Actually, you've got Rookie here in the room with me. He uh, has a, his own ministry of presence. And, uh, and I assure you, Happy sends her, her best wishes right now. Thank you, James. And as always, thank you for listening to The Will and Rob Show. You can follow us on Twitter at RD Hassler and at Stockdale Will. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and leave us a review. We'd love to hear from you. We are on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and SoundCloud, and we will see y'all next week.